I'm emotionally stressed out right now, but I don't need you to fill my cup. I'm going to find a way to fill it within myself. You don't have to do it for me. Welcome to the Secure Marriage Podcast, where we believe it's possible to fight less, feel understood, and enjoy a deeper connection with your spouse. We're your hosts, Paul and Shannon Elmore, and on today's episode, healthy ways to handle anxious attachment issues. There it is, finally. Not finally. Took you like nine times. I did not. (laughs) Now I want to see you do this every week. Oh, I could do it good. Yeah, you'd do it and I'd say, nope, I like how I do it better, so don't bother. We've already been there. All right, here we go. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay. What are we talking about today? Here is an email that we've received from someone. He says, I've been reading a ton of self-help books written by mental health professionals. I've learned through the books that I am anxious attached and internalizer and have abandonment issues. I have a deep need to connect with my wife emotionally. I want to work problems out and to talk about feelings. My wife has childhood emotional neglect, so those things are extremely difficult for her, incredibly draining to the point of being almost impossible. I'm so lonely and emotionally frustrated, but I've realized I probably won't be able to get much of my emotional needs met from my wife. I have this deep longing and emptiness in my heart. How do I find a healthy way to find comfort, acceptance, love, etc. outside of my marriage? And by healthy, I mean in acceptable ways, not emotional affairs, etc. So again, he's wise enough to say that's not a healthy way to do it. But I'm hearing from this person that he recognizes that the metaphor I've used with a lot of my clients is, is we have this emotional bucket that we're supposed to be able to fill up. We're supposed to be able to fill up our own lives with things that make us happy and connected and fulfilled. And we find that in relationships with our spouses or friends or, you know, in experiences. But for people who struggle with kind of an anxious attachment style like he's identified here, It's like we have holes in our bucket and no matter how much you pour into it, you always are drained. You always never feel fulfilled in some way. And instead of trying to actively pour faster and faster and faster so that your bucket stays filled, that becomes exhausting. Sure. And it actually chews up and spits out everyone around you because everyone feels like you are taking and taking and taking and you're trying to get your needs met and it it can really ruin a lot of relationships. And so when I worked with my clients, we talked about, we got to figure out how to plug up the holes in the bucket first. Right. How do we prevent you from draining or not being able to fill up these emotional needs, which are legitimate and real and true, like everyone has them. And he's wise enough to be able to identify this and recognize it and see it within himself. Correct. And he's not the only one. There are a lot of people who, because of, you know, what they grew up in, they have some level of anxious uh, attachment styles or anxious avoidance, or there's a lot of different attachment styles out there, but we're going to focus on kind of that anxiety stuff. So just clarify for me what the anxious attachment is. Anxious, there's a couple of different ways it's phrased, anxious ambivalent attachment. Usually those kiddos, when they have needs, sometimes a parent will respond and sometimes the parent won't respond. There's this inconsistent reaction. So they learn as a little kid, we're talking infancy kind of thing, that I have to ramp up my distress. I have to ramp up my emotions so that I will be seen, so I will be taken serious. And so they learn that this intensity is required to get their needs met. Okay. And now that gets hardwired into their relational stylings as they grow up. 
Got it. So when they feel this emptiness or they feel this people pulling away, their first reaction is to, I need to ramp up. I need to do something that's going to create this awareness in this other person who's pulling away in some way. So that I can get my So that I am not being abandoned. I am not being forgotten. That you take me seriously in some way. Got it. And you can see how that just becomes incredibly toxic in a relationship. Because even though I love you wonderfully and deeply... There's some days I just need to be by myself. Sure. I just need a couple sure, hours. Sure. I jump in the car and I take Tracy for a drive. Tracy's the name of our car, by the way, just being clear here. I'll take her out for a drive and I'm by myself. I'm not with you. Right. And when I do that, does that cause deep emotional distress in you? No, it does not. Why? Because I know that you need time and it's not about me. So that would be a secure attachment. You know that if I leave that I'm going to come, come back. back. Yes. And so it doesn't distress you. But again, if you've grown up in certain experiences in childhood, whenever that person leaves, you're not sure that they're coming back. And so you are triggered into an emotional state of panic. So that's that anxious attachment style. That makes perfect sense. And then when you have a spouse who has, what did he say was her? Childhood emotional neglect. Yes. So when you have a spouse who has issues. Yes. And doesn't like talking about feelings and doesn't want to dive deep into emotional stuff because that's scary and uncomfortable for her. You start to have fireworks. Yeah. You start to bounce around and it's just an unpleasant experience all around. And that can be an incredibly, incredibly lonely, lonely place because then you are not getting your needs met. And if you have a spouse that can't necessarily provide that for you and you have a bucket that's got holes in it, it's draining for you both. Yeah. So his question is... What do I do? Yeah. Honey, what does he do? What would you recommend? Well, you've already recommended he needs to figure out how to patch some of the holes, start figuring out how to patch some of the holes. Yeah. So let's even throw one more thing to complicate this. Uh, There's a lot of belief out there that because these are attachment styles, they're hardwired in. You can't actually change them. Got it. You can cope with them, but you can't actually change them. So you can't really put a Band-Aid on it. Correct. So uh, this is where I might deviate from some of the um, different approaches out there. I actually think that you can do something about it. It will still be something that you have to struggle with your entire life because it does get hardwired in, but it doesn't mean that it's going to ruin your life or run your life from here on out. The best way for someone like this to learn how to start to deal with that anxiety is he has to give up control. Here's what Mm. I mean. If he recognizes I get stressed out when my wife doesn't want to talk, I get stressed out when I feel her pulling away or kind of detaching in a healthy, appropriate, normal sort of way, but it starts to freak me out. That's when he needs to find the person that he can rely on and he can trust their perception of the situation rather than trusting his own head. Got it. His amygdala, his smoke detector, his internal warning system is so skewed that the smoke detector keeps going off over and over and over saying danger, danger, you're being threatened, you're being threatened and he starts to react that way. Instead, he needs to find someone who doesn't have anxious attachment and he goes, "My wife just said she needs to get away for a day and I'm freaking out. What would you do?" John or Mike, right. Steve or whatever, you know, whatever this thing. And the guy would go, 
it's appropriate for her to want to get away. And so if I was married to her, here's what I would do. I would make sure she has some gift cards to go out to lunch and take care of all these things. And that's how I would handle it. And then he goes, even though all the alarm bells are going off in my head, I'm going to do it your way because I already recognize because I've already read all these self-help books that he's identified here that I don't have an accurate picture of the situation. And so I'm going to defer what my alarm system is saying, and I'm going to try living out or modeling what a healthier person's version is. Right Now, is that going to be easy? Absolutely no. not. He's going to be in that panic state, but he'll only be in that panic state the first two or three times. Afterwards, he's going to go, wait a second. She's gone over the last three months. She's taken two or three days by herself and she's always come back. And it didn't get worse because I was in this anxious state and he now has experiential education, experiential evidence right. that a different way of approaching this works better than his smoke detector, alarm right. blaring, um, uh, anxious attachment, reactionary style works. Sure. And, th and that's going to be great for both of them because she's going to go. <sighs> yeah. It's, it's going to bring her some relief because yep. now it actually kind of validates her feelings and what she needs to some degree as well, because yeah. she needs that space and she doesn't have to take care of him yep. and take care of herself. Yep. Very much so. The other thing I was going to say is, so what he needs then is I would say now, maybe this isn't correct, but I would say that he needs a neutral male that's relatively healthy. Yes. As opposed to a neutral female that could be healthy. I think when you bring in that female, then that just gives too many. It's just too easy for emotional connection to happen there that you. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah, he's yeah, yeah. He needs to talk so, to another guy so who, it needs who, to be a male. who can be self-regulated and it, doesn't have an anxious right. attachment. And, for and sure. someone that's not going to placate him or, right. or tell him, well, yeah, you should feel that way because you're yeah. wisely, you know, you yeah, need you someone. Who, yes, exactly. Yeah, you need someone which, which is sometimes as women, that's what we're looking for is another woman to validate us and say, yeah, you're right. And as opposed to telling us, no, you need to see the big picture and you're yeah. not thinking with your rational mind. Yeah, this so. isn't this isn't counseling that he's going to be doing and it's modeling. It's actually coaching would be a better model for it. He's being coached in a healthier response Correct. to his wife rather than listening to his alarm system inside his head. Right. And that could be a, a, just a friend that he trusts. Yeah, there's another thing that he could do that would be really fun for him to practice. And again, fun in a root canal sort of way, but um, <laughs> he can gain a lot from it. And if you put it into physical world rather than emotional world, every time I am hungry, I have to somehow convince you that you need to make me a sandwich. You have to make me dinner. You have to drop what you're doing and you have to take care of me because I can't make my own sandwich. How would you start to feel every time you even sense that, oh, wow, it's been three hours, four hours since he's eaten. I know that my husband's already going to get a little hungry here and he's going to start demanding that I start making him dinner. I'm watching your face right now. <laughs> what would it feel like? Oh, it would be exhausting. Yeah. And I would start becoming resentful and I'd be like, dude, grow up. Yeah. You can make your own darn sandwich. Yeah. So... How would you feel instead if I recognized this and said, man, I am starting to be really hungry here. I need to start taking some cooking classes. And so I'm going to learn how to make basic sandwiches so that you don't have to make food for me. It's interesting that you say that because I was thinking, 
Well, if I was a compassionate but healthy wife, I would probably say, all right, I'll make your sandwich this time. And the next time you came to me, after a little bit, I'd probably say, you know, let me teach you how to make a sandwich so that you you can learn how to make the sandwiches on your own. Yeah. But again, that means you're coming from a relatively healthy space. And again, if we're looking at this exact scenario that is written in this email here, she might not not have have the ability to teach. She knows how to make sandwiches. She doesn't know how to teach how to right, make sandwiches. Right, right, right. In the coaching that I'm doing now, since I'm no longer a therapist, I'm now doing leadership training and executive coaching stuff. We actually have a four-step model that is really, really specific for this, which is you have the unconscious incompetence. I'm not aware of how bad I am. And then you move into conscious competence where that is, hey, I'm going to make this sandwich and you're going to watch me. Okay. You're just going to watch me do it. You don't have to do anything, but you'll figure out here's where we keep the bread. Here's where the meat is. Here's sure. we put mayonnaise on one side and mustard on the other. And we can choose options. You just watch. And then we get to the stage, which is conscious competence, which is you go ahead and make the sandwich and I'm going to watch and I'll be here to kind of be your safety net. And, and I can answer questions that you have, but you're not as good at sandwich making as I am. And you're going to have to remember if you forget where the bread is, I can tell you, remember it's in the cabinet. Oh yeah, it's in the cabinet over there. Or do I put the mustard on the top or the bottom? Uh, exactly. All these kind of difficult questions you have to answer if you're building a sandwich, but you are still building it yourself and I am watching you do it. Mm-hmm. Until eventually you can get to unconscious competence, which is you don't need me anymore. You can do this on your own. That's the best gift he could give would be to go to his wife and go, I'm emotionally stressed out right now, but I don't need you to fill my cup. I'm going to find a way to fill it within myself. And so that is, I'm going to find another social group that I can get connected with. I'm going to exercise. I'm going to read more books, not self-help book, by the way, that will just kind of start you spinning out. I'm going to find some ways to learn how to calm my alarm system inside my head. You don't have to do it for me. You're welcome. I'm not expecting you to fix me. Correct. To fix it. Correct. That's the greatest gift that you can give. Now, again, If you don't know how to do those things, you have to have it modeled. That's going back to the first version here. You have to find somebody who is good at that. And it's like, wow, you know how to take a day off? Show me how to do that. What do you do? I don't Mm -hmm. even know what the, I mean, we're recording this on Memorial Day here. It is, I've had the day off. I haven't been at work. So we did some stuff around the house. We went to Ikea. We've done some things that just you do on a day off. And if you've never been taught how to do that, you just don't know what to do. Right. So he has to have it modeled from someone who's healthy. And again, I like counseling. Counseling is good, but counseling is more diagnosis issue. Coaching is more problem solving and skill building. So finding someone maybe not in the counseling realm, but in the coaching realm or the healthiest friend, you know, right. Find the healthiest friend, you know, and go, can I spend a day with you? I'm just going to watch what you do. It's going to be fascinating. That's how I learned a lot of my self-awareness was I got the privilege of hanging out with someone who was very self-aware. And I just learned and it's like, oh, wow, you're allowed to do that. I didn't know you're allowed to do that kind of approach life that way. And I started trying it on and practicing. So he needs to have it modeled first and then practice doing it himself with his wife. And that's going to change a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. This actually falls under one of the nine tools that we are teaching in the new relationship roadmap that we just released this week here. This falls and it's the thing that you have to stop doing 
because it contaminates the communication part of your relationship. If you don't have self-awareness and you don't have the ability to emotionally regulate, then communication becomes nearly impossible. Right. Healthy people know how to emotionally regulate. They can calm their nervous system. They can calm their reactions. They can take care of themselves without having to tax or demand things from everyone else around them. They have the ability to do that primarily. They also receive it from others secondarily. Sure. But they can take care of themselves. They can emotionally regulate. And they have that self-awareness. Why do I do? What do I do? Right. And again, the person who wrote in here, he's working really hard on that self-awareness piece and he wants to learn the emotional regulation. We learn that through modeling. That's actually how attachment works is you get it modeled for you by your parents. Right. Healthy reactions. So I'm of the persuasion you can learn this later in life. Modeling and experiential education and experiential learning is always how we learn the best stuff. Surgeons, if you have a brain surgeon... He doesn't learn that when he's an infant. He learns as an adult how to cut into people's noggin. But if you need a brain surgeon, you want the guy who's done it a thousand times. Right. You don't want the guy who's watched the video twice and read the book once. (laughs) You want the guy with experience. That's how you learn the most important skills in your life. And so this person, it's time for you to find that mentor, that guide, that coach, that someone, the healthiest version that you can think of. And... And be unashamed about it. Hey, I need to work on this area and you're really, really good at this. Can I buy you lunch? Poor people should take rich people out to lunch more often. Can I buy you lunch? And I want to learn. And my wife does this and I respond this way. If it were you, how would you respond? Right. And then he has to give up that control and go, okay, if this is how Mike's going to do it, then I'm going to do it. I'm going to copy Mike. I'm just going to blatantly beg, steal and borrow. I'm going to rip off what Mike would do. In fact, this is this whole idea came out around the turn of the century. And you know, the whole WWJD bracelets people would wear, mm-hmm. what would Jesus do? That's how they made the decisions. I, I'm going to respond this way, but if Jesus was here, what would he do? And I'm going to copy that. I'm going to give up my own reactions. I'm going to copy that. Right. Now, again, some people don't know this is a whole different group of people that ask that same question, but they do it with Andy Griffith from Mayberry, from the Andy oh, Griffith yes, show. Yes. What would Andy do? Because he's this model in their in their world of the kind, compassionate leader or whatever. And so if when they're faced with a decision and they don't know what to do, they simply ask, what would Andy do? And then I'm going to do that. Believe it or not, that's a method that works. I'm not sure I'm recommending Andy Griffith as the model here. <laughs> Jesus isn't bad at all. Okay. I'm a big fan of that. But there's more to that. I think you need to have a real actual person that you can talk to and you can ask, why do you do that? That's new to me. Right. So modeling, blatantly ripping off. I borrow a lot of my mannerisms from a character on TV, my favorite TV show. Do you know that? You know that. I think you know that. I do. Yeah. I absolutely love The West Wing. I've watched it many, many times, the entire, all seven seasons, front to back, multiple times. And the character of Leo McGarry, okay, the president's chief of staff, superb. He loves his people. He is strong and confident, but flawed and imperfect. He's got his stuff. And I have blatantly borrowed mannerisms and approaches when I've had to go into important meetings. I have dressed like Leo. I have helped props like he has. I've totally ripped it off. And I went into the meeting in entirely different headspace. There's a whole book about this. There's actually a book called Alter Ego. 
can't remember the name of the author right now. I'll have to look it up really quick here. Um, alter ego. And it's the idea of don't go into stressful situations as yourself. Go in as this alter ego. Pick someone that is really, really good at that situation and then just copy them. Huh. It's like a superhero. You sure. put on your alter ego here. I, I read the whole book. It's superb. And he's a sports psychologist. His job is to work with sports people who are struggling in their careers and get them out of their heads yes. so that they perform better. Yeah, That's exactly what this person emailed us here. So find your alter ego, find a real person to totally borrow, to beg, steal, to totally rip off and copy. That's the way to do it. That would be my solution. That's great. Stop talking so much in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just thinking about <laughs> Leo McGarry and Big Block of Cheese Day. <laughs> Big Block of Cheese Day. <laughs> Season but, one, everybody, go watch it. But I, <laughs> but I won't make the quote because number one, I won't get it right. And number two, it's just a little funny. It's, it's a good episode. So anyway. Like I mentioned earlier, we've released our Relationship Roadmap program. It's a brand new course, $97. If you want to have better connection, communication, and conflict resolution in your marriage, if it feels like your spouse just keeps doing things that hurts you and that they don't care about your feelings or what's important to you, so you're searching for these answers. You're looking for the three C's, better connection, better communication, better conflict resolution. Yeah. And we've got three tools to make each one better. It's $97. It is less than an hour to go through um, 10 videos or five minute videos. My wife is a hoot in all of them. <laughs> she's just a joy um, as she's uh, presenting this information. But it is solid. It is good information. And it could help the person who emailed here. Yeah. It, it would provide some answers for that. It provides answers for pretty much every situation that we've seen in relationships. Um, at least one of those nine tools are going to fix whatever it is that you're struggling yeah, with. So that's why sure. we built it. And we built it in a simple, easy. We even built visual tools that you can print off and hang up in your house to remind you of these things. Yep. So... Anyway, um, we encourage you to, to get a copy of that. I'm proud of it. I like to build these good courses that are going to change people's lives. And you and I use them on a daily basis. We do. So we know that they work. Yes. Yes, um, they do. And we want other people to have a secure marriage like we have, even though our marriage isn't perfect. Yep. So anyway, little shameless plug there at the end. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We will. Oh, where do you get it? Securemarriage.com. I should probably say that. <laughs> <laughs> I should probably say that. You can find that at securemarriage.com. And right at the top, there's a big, huge thing is actually you can watch the first ep the first video for free. That's the introduction video kind of explaining the whole thing. So if you want to watch the first of the 10 videos, you can start there, securemarriage.com. Stop giving me the look, honey. I'm wrapping it up here. I promise. Anyway, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. All righty. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>